In November of 2021, our First Church family launched a two-year courageous journey of kingdom expansion that was driven by our desire to reach the 918 and beyond with the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ. We called this two-year journey unstoppable because of Jesus' words in Matthew 16, 18, when he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, for the past 2,000 years, Satan has been trying to stop the mission and the work of God's church because he knows the church is God's chosen instrument to change the world through his son. And for 2,000 years, Satan has tried to use things like persecution and pressure, politics, even pandemics to stop the mission of the church, and yet he has not succeeded. And we believe today God still isn't finished using and empowering his church. The past couple of years at First Church have been a season of unprecedented ministry growth. We've seen God work in our midst in incredible ways. And to help us navigate all this growth that God has given us, we challenged our church last fall to be 100% engaged in the ministry that He has entrusted us with. That meant challenging our church to be 100% engaged in the areas of discipleship, service, and generosity. And we knew that when our church became engaged like this, we could reach our secondary goal of collecting $11.3 million over a two-year period so that we could serve our Owasso community like never before, so that we could expand our global and local outreach partners, and so that we could build a new First Kids facility that would be a light to our community in the midst of the darkness that surrounds us. In the months leading up to our commitments, we gathered to better understand God's vision for His church and to dream about our future. We worshiped together and drew inspiration from the early church in the book of Acts. And we saw that when the lives and comforts of the earliest Christians were threatened, they responded by saying, we cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. You see, the early church didn't just have a mission. The mission had them. And that's why within their generation, they were able to turn the Roman Empire, and for that matter, the rest of the world, upside down. Our First Church family prayed that God would empower us to do the same today. And the response to our unstoppable challenge was truly amazing and humbling all at the same time. On Celebration Sunday, we announced that our church family committed to more than doubling our current ministry budget over the next two years so that we could expand our spiritual impact and grow our physical footprint. During the days surrounding Celebration Sunday, we received one of the largest one-time offering periods in the 115-year history of First Church. And for that, we give God all the glory. Since that time, God has continued to empower and grow our church. Record attendance for Christmas services last year, record attendances for our Good Friday and Easter services, and our next-gen ministry is exploding across the board. In fact, as a church, we are currently experiencing our largest worship attendance numbers in our entire history, with over 1,700 people gathering for worship each Sunday. Our small group numbers continue to multiply. Our online ministry engagement keeps expanding. 
and we're being given more and more opportunities to support global and local mission partners. But in addition to everything else, I love seeing new families every week worship with us as well as witness lives transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. First Church is our family. There is so much love here, and you feel it the minute you walk through the doors. You feel joy. I felt the spirit move. There's just something special about this church, and if we had this many children and young families coming, that's what it's all about. We know it takes a village, and so knowing that we're partnering with the church um, for helping to raise bricks, we've seen it already come true, and so I'm just excited to see all the ways that we can partner with the church, um, and especially with the new kids area. We're excited for that. <laughs> Without a doubt, God's gracious hand continues to be upon us. And as we see Him working among us, it confirms our calling to sacrificially invest in carrying the mission God has given us forward. We're now a year into our unstoppable initiative, and I'm excited to announce that we have successfully reached our one-year financial goals. And we know we could not have done this without God being on our side. Construction is underway to expand our first year space and build our first kids building. And we're seeing even more ministry take place on a weekly basis, which is why we must not allow our enthusiasm for God's unstoppable mission to wane. Because even though God's mission is unstoppable, the choice is ours whether we want to be part of it. That's why Paul warns us in 1 Thessalonians 5:19, do not put out the Spirit's fire like those who have come before us, we want to continue to be fully engaged in the mission of God. When Unstoppable was first presented to the church, we were so excited to hear that we were building on more. Bringing those kids in with their parents is a big deal. Mike and I, we are unstoppable. We are going to finish strong because we believe what the church is doing is the right thing. In 1907, when our church was established, Owasso only had 347 residents. But even though the population was small, there was one thing Owasso was known for, its train depot. In fact, it's how Owasso got its name. Owasso is an Osage Indian word meaning the end of the line. You see, the rail line ended in a turnabout near Owasso, kind of like the one I'm standing on right now. And it would be years before the Santa Fe Railroad made its way on into Tulsa. But even though that train depot and turnabout, well, they don't exist anymore, what God started through our church in 1907 continues to this very day. You see, Owasso's name may mean the end of the line, but we don't want our generation to be the end of the line for the movement that God began through First Church over a century ago. I've always been fascinated by trains. Last November, I mentioned how a train traveling 55 miles per hour on a railroad track could crash through a five-foot-thick steel-enforced concrete wall without stopping. But interestingly, that same train, starting from a stationary position, won't be able to go through a one-inch-thick wood block in front of the driving wheel. What's the difference? Momentum. We're here today because of the momentum that's come before us. Every generation in the history of our church has a decision to make. 
Do we keep God's kingdom momentum going, or do we let it die? We're convinced that this is our moment, First Church, to build upon all that God has done to bring us to this point in history. And that's why today we're launching a new teaching and small group series called Momentum. We are praying that this series will speak clearly to three groups of people within our church right now. First, momentum is for those who are new to our church family. Since First Church has experienced tremendous growth since last fall, momentum is an on-ramp for those who weren't around during the Unstoppable series a year ago, or who were new enough last year that they accepted our leadership's invitation to watch and wait before fully committing. But if you've now been able to see all that God is doing in and through First Church, we want this to be an opportunity for you to engage with us in His unstoppable mission. Just in the six months we've been here, we've seen the growth, like seen the new families come in. So we plan on making a unstoppable commitment because we know what it giving has um, done in our lives and we encourage others to do so because we just know he can do so much more than we could do on our own and this is our church home we see our future here and we want to be a part of it and we want to see it grow second momentum is a challenge for those who've already made an unstoppable commitment to finish strong if you made a commitment last fall are you still engaged right now we get it Life happens, and when life happens, it often puts a strain on our finances. The economy right now is uncertain, and times are tough for many. This series is about increasing our faith, not our guilt. So I hope the Momentum series encourages us to stay invested in the most important work in all the world, even during difficult times. The third group that I'm praying for during this series are those who God may be challenging to stretch their faith even more. Maybe your unstoppable commitment hasn't been as difficult as you thought it might be. Maybe God has positioned you to give even more during this season. Or maybe your faith has grown to the point that you feel the desire to make an even bigger sacrifice. We know this isn't everyone, but it might be you. But whatever situation you find yourself in right now, it's our prayer that God uses this moment to lead all of us into greater engagement when it comes to the mission of Jesus. You've probably heard me say before that I believe we're living in one of the greatest periods of human history when it comes to carrying out the mission of the church. Why do I say that? Because there are more people on the face of the planet today who don't know Jesus than ever before. So what does that mean for us? Jesus calls us, you and me, to be fishers of men. If you're a fisherman and the fish are biting and there's a bunch of them, you get excited. See, people are hungry today. People are searching for something more than just what they see around them. And we have what they're looking for. The answer is Jesus. He is the source, the meaning, and the purpose of life. And we're here to introduce the world to Him. So now is not the time for the church to shrink back. Now is not the time for us to play it safe. Now is not the time for us to wish that we were living in a different period of history or to become comfortable or content. 
No, now is the time for us to rally around the mission of God like never before. Now is the time for us to join in the unstoppable momentum that has brought us here so that we can change the world for the sake of Jesus. First Church, this is our moment. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to see what God is going to do in and through us. Well, welcome to First Church. We are so glad that you are here today. And if this is your first Sunday here, or if you've been here for a long time, you could not have picked a better day to be worshiping with us as we celebrate what God has been doing over the past year, but also rally around His vision for our future. And so because this is such a special day, we're launching this new series, Momentum, and we have prepared for you a little booklet to go along with this series. Our volunteers are going to come now and pass those out. So you're going to be receiving one in your hands right now. They look like this. And so just hang on to that for this entire series. You can bring it back with you. There's a place in there where you can write your name on the first page. Own it. It is yours. And inside of this book is a lot of cool stuff. There's a letter from me, which you don't have to read, but still, there's a letter from me. And there's also sermon notes, a place for sermon notes. There's a small group study that you can do with your small group or maybe do on your own for your own devotion time. There's also some information and a summary about our unstoppable initiative and everything that God has been doing and everything that we're praying for him to do in our future as well. And if you're watching online right now, we don't want to leave you out. We want you to have a copy of this book as well. And so right now you can text this number 918-300-3977. Text the word book to that number and you can download a digital copy of this book right now so you can follow along with us. Or you can just scan the QR code that's on the screen as well. And if you want a physical copy of this book and you're one of our online family members, just let our online host know today or you can email the church and we would be happy to send you a physical copy of this book. Well, I'm excited to get started today in our Momentum series. And so if you would, I'm going to ask, don't be flipping through the pages of the book during the sermon. I know you're tempted to do that. I know, I get it. Um, but if you would, turn to page 22, because that's where the sermon notes begin. And feel free to jot down some sermon notes as we get started. Okay, so does everybody have a book? Anybody still missing some? Still passing them out? I'll give you a few more minutes. And while we're waiting for the rest of the books to be passed out, I haven't welcomed in yet our uh, Modern Hymn service or our online family. So welcome, Modern Hymn. Welcome, online. Yeah, you guys beat me to it. Go ahead and clap for him. That's great. We've got Philip worshiping in Tulsa right now, Michael in Virginia, and Matt who just moved to Owasso. He's joining us for the first time. So welcome to all of our online family members. So glad that you guys are worshiping with us here today. So you guys ready to get started? Ready to do this? Let's go. All right. Well, one year ago today, in the fall, not today, but one year ago-ish, in the fall of 2021, we launched a series that rallied around one key verse. And that verse was this, Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church, Jesus says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, in the midst of uncertain economic times, 
In the midst of uncertain political and social and cultural times, we rallied around this verse because as a church, we understood that in the midst of darkness, the world needs the light. That when the world is at its worst, it needs the church at its best. And we weren't just to survive during these uncertain times, but we believed from this promise right here that God wants us to thrive. We knew that Satan was going to be attacking us. We were aware and prepared for that. And over the past year, we've seen him put obstacles in our way, but we also knew that Satan would not be able to stop us because of these words right here. Jesus says, I will build my church. See, I am extremely confident in the mission of God's church. You know why? I know who owns the church. I know who's leading the church. And I know that the one who defeated the grave is with us and on our side. And Jesus gave this promise about his church before he ever went to the cross, before he ever rose from the dead, before he ascended into heaven, because he wanted his followers to know that his greatest impact on the world would take place after the resurrection, when his church would be launched, when his people would take his message to the furthest parts of the world. And that's what we are now a part of. You see, I believe that the church can continue to carry out the mission of God because the strength and the power of the church, it is not found in our own abilities, but in the presence of Jesus within us, because Jesus' church isn't empowered by the strength of its people, but by his presence within us. That's why John writes these words in 1 John 4, greater is he who is in you, in us, than he who is in the world. See, for 2,000 years, Satan has been trying to stop the work of the church, because he knows how vital we are to God's plan to redeem the world. And yet for 2,000 years, Satan has tried everything in his wheelhouse to stop us. And yet for 2,000 years, the church of Jesus Christ continues to expand and grow across the globe. And we've seen this happen firsthand in our own history. Our church is 115 years old. I mean, our church is older than the state of Oklahoma. And for, for the past 115 years, Satan has tried to stop our church over and over and over again. And yet today, we continue to reach more and more lives with the good news of Jesus. And even in this past year, since we launched Unstoppable, we've experienced a whole lot of obstacles. And yet, I am excited that I can announce today that at this point in our giving towards Unstoppable, I mean, we have a whole lot of other goals, but just in our tangible giving to Unstoppable, right now we are at 115% compared to our anticipated goal. How awesome is that? And that's happening in the midst of a bad economy in the midst of uncertain times, in the midst of dealing with everything that we've been dealing with because of the results of the COVID pandemic and all that. And it's happening because we know who is the head of this church. We know who's leading us. We know who's in charge and it's not us. So Satan can threaten us and Satan can try to stop us, but we know the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. And I get it. Over the next year, as we try to finish strong, there's gonna be some more oppositions. 
It's more opposition. I mean, Satan is going to try to jump out of nowhere and stop us. I saw this video just the other day from the University of Houston. One of their football coaches dressed up like a mannequin in a football suit to scare some people. And this is how Satan operates sometimes. Take a look at this. Love the girl in the background. She wasn't even the one he was trying to scare, but she jumped too, you know? And isn't that how Satan works? He likes to hide and disguise himself and try to distract us and try to scare us from doing what God is calling us to do. But we have nothing to fear because darkness has no power over the church, over a church that is sold out to Jesus. And I think the earliest Christians knew that. And that's why they were able to turn the world upside down in their day and age. And that's why last fall when we launched this series, we studied the book of Acts. And we're going to study it again in this series today. Because we can see from their example what it takes to be a church that latches on to the unstoppable mission of Jesus. Because Jesus gave his early followers this promise in Acts chapter 1. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus said those words right before he ascended into heaven to let us know something. That his ministry, his work, his mission isn't finished yet. You know, sometimes when we think about Jesus rising from the dead and then ascending into heaven, we think, okay, Jesus' work is done. It's not. It was only just beginning, and that's what he is letting his early followers know. That's why when Luke begins the book of Acts, he writes these words. He says, in my former book, he's talking about the gospel of Luke that talks about the life of Jesus from the time of his birth all the way to his ascension into heaven. In my former book about Jesus' earthly life, I wrote about all that Jesus, what? Can we say that word together? Began, began to do and teach. In other words... His physical life, his 33 years on earth, was just the beginning of his work. Just the beginning of what he came to do. And now we're going to get the second part of God's plan, which is going to be carried out through his church. That's why Jesus told his disciples before he even went to the cross, he said, If you have faith in me, you will do the same things I am doing. You will do even greater things now that I am going back to the Father. In other words, when I go back to the Father, then the Holy Spirit, my spirit, can come and dwell within you. So I may not physically be right in front of you, but I'm going to be living in you, and you will be able to do even greater things than what you've seen me do. How cool is that? It's always been Jesus' plan from the very beginning that his greatest impact on the world would happen after his ascension collectively through his people, the church, which we now have the honor and privilege of being part of. And that's why here at First Church, we believe God has big plans for us. But in order for those big plans to be carried out, we've got to realize who God is calling us to be. 
you go back to that promise in Acts 1 verse 8, it says, you will receive power. In other words, the power to change the world doesn't come from us. It's something we receive from God's Spirit being in us when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice the language here. Jesus doesn't say you will witness or you're going to witness. No, he says you will be my witnesses. In other words, Jesus isn't giving us something to do. He's telling us who to be. And there's a huge difference because witnessing on behalf of Jesus is our very identity. We are those who don't just talk about the resurrection of Jesus or celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday, though we do that. We are those who live in a new reality, the reality of the resurrection, because we know because the tomb is empty, we are full of hope. We know because the tomb is empty, Satan is defeated. We know because the tomb is empty, what we see around us is not all there is, that we're living for a greater purpose. We're living for a greater eternity, a greater life. We know because the tomb is empty, Jesus is victorious, and because we are his people, we are victorious with him. And that reality should change everything for us. And I think the earliest Christians... They lived in that reality. There's an awesome picture of this in Acts chapter five. Acts chapter five takes place after the church began. Remember, the church began on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter two. 3,000 people were baptized into Christ. More people came after that. Thousands of people are coming to know Jesus and joining his church. And the early church was doing what Jesus told them to do. They were being his witnesses. And Peter and John, two of his earliest disciples, they were out preaching about Jesus one day, and they get arrested for doing it because the Jewish leadership, the authorities, they don't like them doing it. These are the same people who killed Jesus. You know, they don't like his followers now continuing the work of Jesus. So they arrest Peter and John, and they tell them, don't talk about Jesus anymore or else. Do you remember how Peter and John responded? They said, we cannot stop unstoppable. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And so the religious leaders, they don't, know, they don't know what to do with these guys. And so they say, okay, well, this is it. You know, this is strike one and two. Don't get to strike three. That's how we treat our kids when they're acting up. You know, if it's not anything that bad, but they're just kind of acting up a little bit, we'll be like strike one. And then if they do something else, strike two. Sometimes we just skip to strike three though. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes you just have to. Or we'll be like, okay, then that's strike one and two all together, all at once. And I think that's what the what the authorities are doing here to Peter and John, they're saying, this is strike one and two. You do one more thing, it's strike three or else. So they release Peter and John. They know they can't kill them right now because their movement's pretty popular. And yet Peter and John, you know what they do? They and the rest of the disciples, the rest of the church, they continue to teach about Jesus. They do not stop because darkness won't be able to stop a church that's sold out to Jesus. So they keep on teaching, they keep on preaching, and then the high priests get word that the disciples are still preaching and teaching. And it says in chapter 5, verse 17, the high priest and all of his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. So again, they're tired of the disciples going out and preaching, so they arrest them. And it's interesting that it's the Sadducees who are kind of orchestrating all this because there were two political parties in the Jewish world in this day, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And the Sadducees, they didn't have much use for the supernatural. I mean, they didn't believe in angels. 
They didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. They didn't really believe in a spiritual afterlife like the Pharisees did. They didn't have a lot of use for the supernatural. And so it's interesting to me that the Sadducees who arrest the disciples for preaching about the resurrection of the dead, which they didn't believe in, it's amazing to me what God does next. After the disciples are thrown in prison, look what happens. It says, but during the night, while the disciples are in prison, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, the angel said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. It's crazy to me that the Sadducees who are leading this charge, who don't believe in angels, God sends an angel to go and rescue his disciples. He didn't have to do that. God had released, uh, we will see in Acts, that God releases his people from prison in multiple different ways, like through earthquakes and all sorts of stuff. But on this occasion, he sends an angel. And I think what God is saying is, don't listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about. You trust me. You listen to me. Don't buy into their lies. You know what's true, and you hold to what's firm. And so... The angel releases them, and the angel says, go back to the temple courts, the very place where you were just arrested, the very place where you just got in trouble, go back and do what you got in trouble for. Go back and get strike three, in other words. And so the disciples listen, and they go back to the temple courts. And when the religious leaders saw this, they're furious, and they send in the temple guard to arrest the disciples. And Acts 5 says, The captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force, though, because they feared that the people would stone them. So they go in to arrest them, but the crowds in the temple, they're all on the disciples' side. And so they don't use force. Now, I want you to notice something. If the disciples wanted to resist arrest at this point, they could have. They could have started a riot, the people were ready to stone the temple guard. I mean, they could have protested in this moment. They could have resisted arrest if they wanted to, but they didn't. The angel told them to go preach. They preached. And then when the guard shows up and says, okay, now the Sadducees want to see you, the Sanhedrin wants to see you, they say, okay, we'll go tell them about Jesus. And they go on their own. You know why? Because we're not going to win the world with the world's power. We're not going to win the world with the world's power. And let me just be very frank with you right now. I believe the reason why so many churches in our culture today are weak is because for too long we've been trying to win the world with the world's power. It's time that we let God's spirit living in us do what only he can do and we be obedient to him. And there is a huge difference in doing that than just trying to figure out how to save the world with our own resources and our own abilities and our own ideas and our own strength. See, we will not win the world by the world's powers. And I think the reason why Christianity doesn't have the influence in our culture like it once did is because for too long we've been trying to figure out this thing on our own. We've been trying to save the world on our own with our own ideas and with the world's own powers. And we've got to let God be God and we listen to him because the only thing that is going to save our generation is the good news of Jesus Christ, period. And so... We've got to be the witnesses that he is calling us to be. So here's what happens. The disciples come back in, and the leaders say, we gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. You were on strike two. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of Jesus' blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. Ooh, good, good line there. 
The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. So they're living the reality of the resurrection. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses. We are what? Witnesses. Not we are witnessing today. No, that's not it. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. How are they witnessing? Because the spirit within them is empowering them, enabling them, strengthening them to be the witnesses in the midst of hard times that Jesus has called them to be. See, who's really in charge here? The religious leaders? Nope. They're threatening them. They've got the power to put these men to death if they want to. The temple guard? They can arrest them. They're not in charge. You know who's in charge here? Jesus Christ as King of Kings. Because in this moment, the disciples are recognizing who Jesus is, that he's the ultimate king, that his purpose is what really matters. And when we get that, the world has no power over Christians who are sold out to Jesus. The world can't stop what Jesus is doing through us. And so the religious leaders decide not to kill the disciples, because remember, they're still pretty popular. But since they've now got them secretly on their own, they decide to flog them. They're gonna beat them almost to death. Flogging sounds like a simple thing, but it wasn't. It was where they beat you with two whips known as the cat of nine tails on your backside, and they literally exposed your spine after you were done. I mean, it ripped your backside open. One historian says that six out of 10 men in the ancient world did not survive flogging. That's how bad it was. All 12 apostles are flogged in this moment. And this is a crucial moment because it's the first time that the church has ever really experienced physical persecution in this way. They could have quit. They could have said, I didn't sign up for this. They could have gone into hiding for a little while until things kind of calmed down. Did you know what happened? Verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, the name of Jesus, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped. Unstoppable. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. They left rejoicing in the midst of suffering because they knew that their suffering was not in vain. They knew that somehow God would use it in order to advance his eternal purpose. And that's exactly what happened. Because that's the end of chapter 5. In, in verse 1 of chapter 6, look at what it says. It says, the believers rapidly multiplied. The church is being persecuted, physically persecuted. And that threat is out there. Everybody knows it. They're not in political power here. They don't have the right to vote anybody out of office. And yet, their numbers continue to increase and multiply. Why? Because the world can't stop a church that's sold out to Jesus. Amen. See, the risen Christ is unstoppable. And we believe that today here at First Church. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why in the midst of a bad economy, that's why in the midst of uncertain times, we're in the midst of this initiative, which is a challenge for us to get engaged in the ministry of God's church like never before. And we have seen God work in phenomenal ways over the past year, and we have so much to celebrate. 
that God has done over this past year. But here's the thing. Just because we've been doing it for a year is not a guarantee of success. We have to finish strong. We have to continue to live by faith because our culture needs the church now more than ever. People need to know who Jesus is, especially the next generation. And I believe that the way that we are going to change our culture is by raising up a new generation who understands who Jesus is and who changes the world one life at a time. That's why we believe in investing in the next generation. That's why we are building a new First Kids building. Somebody just the other day said, uh, so are you guys building a building? And they, they didn't go to our church. And I was just like, well, we're actually constructing a resource that will help us reach more people. And they said, well, yeah, that's the same as building a building. And I was like, no, anybody can build a building. There's a lot of buildings going up around. You know, there's new Chip uh, Chipotle coming, right? I mean, you know, anybody can build a building. Who's excited about Chipotle? Anybody? Okay. Anybody can build a building. What's happening is a resource in the midst of bad times that could only happen if God was on our side so that we can reach more and more people for the sake of his son. That's what's going on here. And I'm excited. And here's the thing. Even though we've experienced a lot of obstacles, I wanna close with this. It's a big announcement. We were given a great opportunity some time ago this has been in the works for some time, but we weren't able to talk about it just yet, but we can now, because it's getting ready to happen. We were approached by one of the local TV stations in Tulsa, and they said, we're dropping our prime religious spot on Sunday mornings, 1030, which is now held by a syndicated you know, ministry that a lot of people all over the world watch. We're gonna drop them, and we wanna put somebody local on there, and we've been watching First Church. We've been watching your services online, and we think, we think Northeast Oklahoma needs what you guys are doing. So starting next Sunday on Channel 2, the local NBC affiliate at 10.30 on Sundays, we're gonna have a 30-minute slot. Now, I can't say hello in 30 minutes, so... Uh, <laughs> It's gonna be an abbreviated version of what we offer here on Sunday. It's gonna be a condensed version of the sermon and like maybe one worship song. It's not gonna be our full service, but it's gonna be enough to get the message of Jesus out there. It's gonna be a front door for people throughout our community to see what God is doing in this place and to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So if you're, you know, if you're sick at home or something and you wanna watch the full service, this is not a replacement for our online ministry. We still have that for the, with a full service. But this is going to be an on-ramp. This is going to be a front door opportunity for us to continue to minister to more and more people. By the way, this time slot, they say, has the potential of reaching 30,000 households in Northeast Oklahoma. Households in Northeast Oklahoma. We didn't seek it. We didn't go after it. They came to us. Ah, God gave us this opportunity. And we are excited about what he is doing in this place because darkness can't stop a church that's sold out to Jesus. So this is just the beginning. I'm over my time, so I'm gonna wrap it up here. But I'm excited about the momentum that has brought us to this point, but we're not gonna let the, the momentum die. So we hope you will be here for every week in this series as we continue in this unstoppable initiative. And we pray that you will be a part of the great work that God is doing in this place. Darkness cannot stop. The church is sold out to Jesus because the tomb is empty. We have hope. Let's go bring that hope to the world. Would you pray with me? 
Father, I thank you so much for today, for this awesome opportunity we've had to meet together as your people. And I just pray that we would not put out the Spirit's fire, but that we would continue to take your mission to the world as you have called us to do. Father, we will be your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen.